Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. I want you, if you have your Bible, open it with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, in the first verse. Faith, in the New Living Translation, faith shows the reality of what we hope for and is the evidence of things we cannot see. In the King James Version and in the Amplified, it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, and the conviction of their reality. Then in brackets, it says in the Amplified, Faith perceiving is real fact what has not yet been revealed to the natural senses. Faith is the conviction, the heartfelt belief of what we hope for coming to pass, the substance of things hoped for. What does that mean, substance of things hoped for? Well, if you don't have the Bible or you don't have faith, you can have hope, but that's it. I hope I win the lottery. I hope this year's better than last year. But the Bible gives substance to your hope, where once you locate in the Bible that God said something, you don't have to hope that you stay healthy or hope that you have long life or hope that God blesses your children. You can find in God's word where he said he would do that. And then that word gives substance to your hope. Can you say amen? Amen. Verse 6, the Bible then gives you the two pillars that faith works on. And if either of these aren't in place, it doesn't work. But if both of these are in place, then it's unstoppable. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For anyone who wants to come to him has to have these two things in place. Must believe that he is. Nice and loud say, believe that he is. is. Must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Say, my God is a rewarder. That he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When you come to meetings like this, and I, there's, not a few, there's not many things I'd be an expert on, but one of them would be coming to meetings because my dad's a preacher. And when I say I grew up in church, I don't mean my dad was a pastor and we attended church. I mean, we didn't have an apartment until I was five years old. My dad preached Sunday to Friday, and then we traveled Saturday, or the meeting went a second week, we rested Saturday, and we're right back in there. And many times where we stayed was a room in the church that they cleared out for our family. When you come to meetings like this, where they're not lectures, they're not Bible-based lectures, they're spiritual meetings, something gets on you in these meetings. There's a grace that comes on your life, and I've started to see it in my daughter's life. Without thinking about it, you know, I just had her come along because your parents, you can't lock your kid in the house when they're five, you bring them to the meeting with you. I've started to watch her just be different. Just like if you hung out, if parents drugged their kids to some drug house or some awful place, that kid, you'd say, they're not going to turn out right. And I grew up in the Pentecostal holiness movement where they were big, they're great people, but they were big on emphasizing what went wrong if you didn't serve the Lord. But they didn't emphasize that there was a flip side to the coin. Not only could you shut the faucet off on not, on serving the devil, you could serve the Lord and turn a different faucet on in your life. Can you say amen? 
And the Bible says when you do that, when you begin to engage God and believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Now, if I polled people in this room, we would do better than if I polled people in other rooms, but there would still be a good percentage of people in this room that because for some reason there's, and I'm not against pastors, I am a pastor somehow. <laughs> but some pastors feel it's their mission almost to deaden people's expectation from the Bible. I don't know if they got their dreams crushed or something went wrong and they don't want people to get their hopes up. But I want to tell you what many of you already know, but for many it will be good news and a refresher for others. God not only is, God is a rewarder. Can you say amen? amen? My friend that I interviewed earlier today, just stand up so people don't think I'm nuts and I'm making up a story. If you watched our broadcast we did this morning, this lady that stood up, and she, you, you can question her on the way out if you want, that we're not making up a story because it sounds unbelievable. I'd be skeptical if I never went to a meeting like this and heard what I'm about to tell you. She stopped me on the way into the na uh, National Religious Broadcasters and said in 2018, right, you prayed for my daughter who was who was legally blind in both eyes. Now, I've heard of 2400 vision. I think that classifies you as legally blind. I think 2200 might even do it. Her daughter was 20 what in both eyes? 20, 20, 2500 and 20, 2450. So blind that she had to use her glasses, her thick glasses, to get out of bed to use the bathroom in the middle of the night. Thank you, just so people knew I wasn't making it up. And she said, you came and just preached a simple message on faith and then prayed, and we went to our doctor's, uh, uh, the eye doctor, because my daughter was starting to have migraines. And the doctor said, we ran eye tests. Your, doctor's having, your daughter's having migraines because of her glasses. And she said, what, does she need a thicker prescription? She said, no, she's 20-20 in one eye and 20-25 in the other eye. I'm not telling you that to let you know that I have a healing ministry. I'm telling you that to let you know when God said that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That young girl, 2018, she's 17 right now, so let me do some quick math. She'd been 11 years old. I doubt she was going there to get her eyes restored. She was just in church. But you get something, just like if you went to the worst bar in Memphis, something bad could happen to you, even if you weren't there to have something bad happen to you. When you come into the place where God's word's being preached and the Holy Spirit's given free reign to move, then you're in a place where God can turn around in one night what man couldn't do in a lifetime. And there's going to be many, not one or two, there's going to be many people from Tennessee and the surrounding areas that go back out those double doors and your life is never going to be the same in Jesus' name. If you believe that with me, why don't you take your two anointed hands, clap them unto God and give the Lord a mighty shout all through this auditorium. Say it right out loud with me. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Not difficult, impossible. And faith, they make it real mysterious in church. They come up with definitions. I guess they just make up definitions. Faith is stepping out onto nothing and finding something there. That's not a scripture. It's best to define it by the Bible. What is faith? Well, faith has two things in place. Faith works when you begin to believe that God is. 
And uh, I'm trying to stay positive because somebody told me a while back, they said, um, I asked my pastor for you to come to our church, but he said he, he considers you the mean Shuttlesworth. Well, I don't know if you know the Shuttlesworth family at all, but if you're considered the mean Shuttlesworth, that would be like being considered the mean Mussolini. So I'm trying to work on the kindness aspect of my fruit of the spirit tree. Having said that, every time I'm at something like I was at today, and not looking to be critical, I, honestly, but at, like at the National Religious Broadcasters, you get around preachers. There's very few people that actually believe there's a God. And I'm not talking about public school boards. I'm not talking about senators and, and godless people that are in leadership. I'm talking about when you get in a back room, there's people that spout off at the mouth in church and can preach about God. But when you come right down to it, there's very, very few people that believe that there's a God. A God that can by himself take you, do what he said he'd do in the Bible. He takes the beggar from the dunghill. Now you talk about poor, they don't even have that level of poverty in the United States. The Bible says he's a specialist at taking the beggar from the dunghill and setting him among princes. Somehow I think with us growing up for the first few years of my life in abject poverty, as my dad was starting off in the ministry. If you heard Pastor Bob and I do that broadcast this morning, we talked about that. How I believe there's an effort of the enemy in the beginning of your ministry to choke out your finances to get you to quit. My dad went through that. It was standard in his denomination, and we won't say the name of the denomination, but it rhymes with assemblies of God. <laughs> it was standard in that denomination that shall remain nameless. We would not want to shame anybody. To give somebody, after a week of preaching, $100, $200. And uh, my, my, you know, I came along. I was unplanned. Apparently, my father, and my father and mother said I was unplanned. Apparently, they fell asleep in health class in eighth grade. Because you don't have to plan it. It can happen. So, I was unplanned. They didn't plan me, so now they got a third mouth to feed. And then they have my sister, three years in. And my sister is born with a heart problem a severe heart problem. And my mom and her have to stay in the hospital 31 days and were uninsured. My dad was hit with a $52,000 bill and he already couldn't stay on the road and pay gas. This is just coming out of the Jimmy Carter era where gas is higher than it is now when money was, was worth more than it is now. And so he looks like he's not going to make it. Owes 52 grand and uh, uh, has a daughter that's fighting through a heart problem. And he said he'd believe for breakthrough and then preach for a week and then get the same check, $100. My dad told me to stay sane. He had to pray in tongues his whole drive home because it was like the devil was in the passenger seat talking to him. Uh, you can do math, right, Tiff? You owe $52,000 and you got a wife and a son and a daughter that needs medical attention. Why don't you take another look at that check? Do the math. If you get $100 every week for the year, you don't have enough to live. He says like, like there was a voice in there and he would pray just to go through it. One day I was in the living room as a little boy and the phone rang. My mother answered it. She began to cry and then she put my dad on the phone and my dad started to tear up and hung the phone up and I had never seen my dad cry. In fact, you would get paddled for crying. So I, I thought that was interesting. I said, what's, and then my, I said, uh, my mom and dad lifted their hands and I said, what's going on? My dad said, just lift your hands and praise God. 
Well, I didn't know what I was praising God for, so I just began to thank God that I wasn't going to get paddled for obeying my father and lifting my hands and praising God. And I found out later that they got a call from the hospital or some agency. They had not applied for anything, but someone had reviewed our case. I think my dad had paid down the 52000 to forty-six or 48000 over several years, interest, penalties, all that stuff. And they called and said, we reviewed your case. Your old amount you had due, 48000 New amount you have due, $0.00 and 0 cents. We wiped your debt out. I was there for that. I saw that happen. And so it's difficult for me to get around people. It's one thing if you're a baby Christian or been saved a year or two, or even if you're just a congregant. But when you get around Christian leaders and their whole plan is we have to, you know, I'm going to meet with this group of people and I'm going to ask them if they can give this amount of money and then you go that whole secular route like an, like an unsaved corporation. How many of you have ever followed the ministry that God's given me, Revival Today, before? You know, I did something last year and I'm not doing it to bring up what I did, but I did it because I always believed this way and I wanted to prove it. I told uh, the Lord when I was at Pastor Rodney's in January, I'm not receiving an offering. I know sometimes if you t- say three consecutive stories about money, people just get their checkbooks out and the ushers start passing envelopes out. But you can actually teach the word of God just to help people and not drive it to an offering. We will receive an offering tonight, but I'm telling you what's in my spirit. I was there and I heard my Uncle Ted when, my, when Pastor Rodney called him up, give that word from the Lord. The spirit of the Lord says, million dollar offerings, billion dollar flow. And when I heard that, my first thought was, I wonder where Pastor Rodney's going to go to get a million dollars. I know his schedule pretty well. I was going through in my head. I wonder where he's going to go where uh, somebody has the capacity to do that. Then I had a thought. I had 1.8 million in the bank. The Bible teaches, I'll fill your storehouse with grain. I'm not going to put myself at zero with 52 employees or whatever. So I told the Lord. I said, if you'll get me to three million in the bank, now think of this. I was 42 at that time. It took me 42 years to get to 1.8 million in the bank. And we're building a new church building in Pittsburgh, which is, they're not giving them away. Got to level the land out. There's no flat land anywhere on that side of Pennsylvania. But I told the Lord, all right, if that's what the Holy Ghost says, everybody say, I believe there's a God. Now remember, that's the first platform that faith works on. Must believe that he is. I don't believe this is just a book with life. There's a God. that Though the Bible says I haven't seen him because I believe him without seeing him, there's an extra blessing accounted to me. Can you say amen? amen? All right. If you get me to three million, I'll be the one that gives the million. And then it took from the end of January to, the, to March 31st to go from 1.8, not three total, all bills paid, plus an extra 1.2 came in. It came in from the time I told the Lord that. I went to South Carolina. A lady came up at the end of the meeting. This is just one thing. She said, you don't know me. I've been watching you on YouTube. I'm not from this state. I drove up. I have a check for 325000 that the Lord spoke to me to give you. That was one. Then it just kept coming like that for six weeks till we made an extra. What we took 42 years to make came in in about six weeks. I did that spite-a-thon broadcast, and I said something. We had just been given 24.8 acres of land. Now it's time to clear the land and build a building. And I told people, because I wanted to prove this out, basically out of being tired of hearing Christian leaders act like there's no God, straight to the bank, 
straight to PNC Bank mortgage office. Or you hear people, we wanted to build a church, but the bank said they're not giving loans to church. I don't read any Bible verses like that. And Solomon's temple was stalled. For Wells Fargo said they don't like loaning to temples. No, the Bible says, I'll make you to lend to many, and thou shalt not borrow. Can you say amen? And so you heard me say it on air. Before we even gave the million to Pastor Rodney, I said, normally as a pastor at 41 years old, I'm to go to a bank, tell them how many assets I have, and see what I can qualify for as a loan and build like that. I said, but we're going to run an experiment. We're going to give, before we go and sit across from some heathen banker and ask if we can borrow money for the work of the Lord, let's give God a chance and see what he does. And so the money came in like tap water that week. Pastor Rodney came up and met us March 31st. We presented him that happy Gilmore golf tournament check for a million dollars. I didn't do that publicly to get a reward on earth. I did it to show that that's how it should go. Giving a million dollars should be a common thing in the body of Christ. It shouldn't require six meetings with a board of directors and having to meet with some half-saved person and tell them the vision for your ministry. The body of Christ should give knowing that when they give, they will receive. Their gift comes back to them, pressed down, shaken together, and running over to make room for more. Say it with me. Say million-dollar offerings. Billion-dollar flow. And so we, we gave that. Now, in the natural, that put me back down to 1.8 million because we had expenses come out plus the million, so we went from three to 1.8. So the story should be in the natural. Jonathan, you know, you got a little carried away. That's nice that you love Pastor Rodney, but you have a church to think about, and you have employees, and, you know, the Lord helped you, and then you gave half it away, and then it's going to take me another 20 years to build it back up. Brother, what did I say on the air when I gave that check? I'm not doing this to help you. I'm doing it to help me. Because the Bible says you must believe that he is. And what's the second part? That he is a? Of who? Well, driving to the bad part of Nashville and parking a mile away, I would count that as diligently seeking. Can you say amen? And when you do that, like that girl didn't necessarily come to get her eyes opened up. When you pursue after God, the harder you pursue after God, the harder the things of God pursue after you. Amen. Must believe that he is, and equally important, that for some reason ministers feel it's their job to teach against, that he is a There's a man that preaches against prosperity. Then they found out he was wearing an Omega Speedmaster watch. And so it was funny to hear them defend it because if you preach against prosperity and they catch you wearing a $4,000 watch, you know, that's trouble. And so he, they said a $4,000 watch for a man of his age is reasonable. Says who? So what is the age and value of watch scale that we should be going by? Timex in 20s, and then you go up from there, and then when you hit 62. So where, where, is, where is really where you separate the men from the boys? Is it is impossible to read that Bible and say that God doesn't bless people. Because all he did, if you, can, if you can ascertain one thing from the Bible, it's that disobedience brings a curse, but obedience brings a blessing. So what happens is, man, you can tell it's going to be a good night. <laughs> 
What happens is people can't deny the blessing. So then they start putting limits. Well, God's good, but he's not that good. Yes, he can do that, but don't get carried away. But another thing you're going to find in the Bible is God gets carried away. He got carried away when people ticked him off. One angel killed 185,000 Amalekite soldiers in one night. I'd call that carried away. That's not a bar fight. That's a slaughter. But the same God that got carried away in anger, the same God that said, the Pharaoh that prevented you from going to worship me, I'm going to drown his whole army in the Red Sea. That God just doesn't get carried away on the negative side. And a lot of us, you know, we're in Tennessee. We're in the part of church where you can make a good living down here telling people about hell, and you're going to hell, and some people are drinking, they're going to hell. But they'll talk about the hell part and how God has extreme punishment, which is true. But the same God that has extreme punishment for disobedience doesn't have a mediocre blessing for obedience. He has an extreme carried away blessing. See if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that's so great. You won't have room enough to take it all in. Pastor Bob and I were talking with a great guy today. It's amazing what people just spit out without thinking. You know, he was talking about giving, and he wasn't lying. We give. I believe in giving. He had a great thing to say about giving. And then they always sneak this part in. Whether God blesses me in this life or in the life to come. Well, Paul told Timothy, and I would consider the Apostle Paul an expert in the Christian faith. Paul told Timothy, Timothy, remember, godliness is profitable. Not godliness is break even. Godliness is under how many things? All things. Godliness brings profit to life. You don't know man serves God at a loss. Godliness is profitable unto all things. Holding value in the life that now is, in the life that now is, and in the life to come. You know, it would be pretty stupid for me to start smoking crack and saying whether this ever punishes me in this life or in the life to come isn't important, but I know the punishment's coming. No, you're going to get punished. You're not gonna, it's not going to take till you go to hell to feel an effect from drug use. You should say amen so people don't know you have a history with smoking crack. <laughs> you're not going to have to wait till you die to experience a problem from smoking crack or any illicit drug. Or anything the Bible calls sin. It's going to cost you something in this life. And then you're going to get cost. You're going to pay more in the life to come. So it is with God. Jesus said in Mark chapter 10. Anybody that leaves house or property or family or possession or lands. For my sake and the sake of the gospel. Will receive. Not might receive. In this life. One hundredfold what they've given. Does the Bible say that or not? Say out loud with me. Godliness is profitable unto all things. Then you couple that with Hebrews eleven six. God is a rewarder. Not just in heaven, whether we ever see it here or not. No. He's a rewarder here, and he's a rewarder in the life to come. Abraham didn't get blessed when he went to heaven. 
Abraham got blessed one chapter after he obeyed God in, in Genesis chapter 12. My dad, and this is where the devil kicks in. If the devil had his way, he tries to get you short-sighted. That's why the Bible says, be not weary in well-doing, for you will reap a reward if you don't give up and quit. The devil was trying to get my dad focused on now. Look at what $100, 200 quit. If That's the devil's message. If it was going to work, it will worked by now because he knew if, that, if he did didn't get that guy out of the ministry. One day he'd have a YouTube channel with tens of millions of viewers all over the world listening to Bible prophecy. Pastor Rodney coming over here with three suitcases and $300. When the devil goes after you, it's not because you're nothing. The devil doesn't waste time with people that are invaluable. He knows that if he doesn't get you to give up and quit, you're going to be the greatest nightmare to the kingdom of hell that he's ever known. That's why we came to Nashville to let you know you're coming up out of where you are now and you're going to be a nightmare to the powers of the devil. If you receive that tonight in Tennessee, let them hear you downstairs. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Say out loud, my God is a rewarder. Say he has a reward for me. Yeah, and I'm not hiding it. I'm not going to wear less nice clothes and not take pictures of the plane I use to, so that people don't think God can bless. If the devil's crowd flaunts what the devil's given them, why should Joseph keep his coat of many colors hung up in the closet because his brothers don't like it? I'm telling you, God has a blessing for you that people are going to think is too much, but God doesn't think it's too much. He opens up the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing that's so great. You don't have enough room to take it all in. And so I get irritated. I'm sorry, but I do. When I hear people talk as if everything that's going to happen has to be worked out of people. God doesn't send a minute. People don't send a minister. A minister is sent by God to people. The Christian life is not you trying to find a way to get enough people to help you to make things work. That's how the world works. You have a God. Nobody healed that girl's eyes. Jesus healed that girl's eyes. Eye surgeon astounded. Because man can only take you as far as man can go. But God can take you where no one else can take you. And I want you to come into this meeting tonight with an expectation. Why did you feel a pull to come here? Why on the way over when your flesh was going, you know, you can watch on YouTube. Go home. Is this live streamed? You watch online. How come? Well, I mean, we're not in some little country town. Nashville has serious traffic. Mostly whiskey induced. Serious traffic in this city. And you fought through it. And then when you found out parking was full, you say, well, we're going to have that. There you went, parked far away, and came in. Why? Something drew you to this meeting. And God never draws someone in to leave them the same, or to mess them up. When God calls for you to be somewhere, it's to hear his word. When you hear his word, faith comes alive in your heart that there's nothing the devil has done to me that God can't do something about. There's nothing that's gone wrong in life that God, God doesn't need nine years to get your life sorted out. 
There's not, God created the whole world in six days. He'll never need more than 24 hours to fix a life. I prophesy in the name of Jesus, a group of people from Tennessee are going to come out of this meeting tonight on fire for God, full of faith in the Word of God, and trample on the head of the devil like he was dust under your feet. Come on, if that sounds like you, jump up on your feet, take 30 seconds, give the Lord the biggest hand clap, Biggest shout. Come on, Tennessee, let me hear you shout. Somebody say, I'm on the Lord's side. Man, I want you to stay on your feet. I have an excitement in my spirit for this year. I feel like I've already lived a year in the first seven months of this, seven weeks of this year. No, no, no. You're not going to interrupt. No, no, no. you got to switch to decaf. Shh. 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 Decaf. 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 Shh. 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 Out you go. We love you. God bless you. We've all had bad days. God bless you. Well, adios. That's why I come up before Pastor Rodney. Just check for ticks. Amen. God bless you. Man, imagine paying 30 bucks for parking just to do that. Say this, there's nothing the devil's done to me that God can't do something about it tonight. Now lift both hands to the Lord and close both eyes. Say, thank you, Lord. You have a blessing for me and my family. I'm in your place tonight to receive from your word and to be changed by your spirit. In Jesus' name. Keep your hands lifted. Father, I thank you for the wonderful people of Nashville, Tennessee, other than that one guy. Thank you for every man and woman in this place, other than that other guy. I thank you that your blessing is upon their lives tonight. I thank you that they're going to go higher and higher and higher. In Jesus' name. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. Thank you that just like my, my friend back there, whose daughter was blind, and now she sees. I thank you that whatever the devil has saddled people with tonight, they're coming out of it free in Jesus' mighty name. And so we give you the praise and the glory in advance because you never fail. Thank you in advance for the best night we've ever had. In Jesus' mighty name. I said in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother Ray, you can come up to the platform before you start singing. I want to tell everybody while they're on their feet. This is my first time ever preaching in Nashville. I know that God has something great for us tonight. Obviously, the devil knew God had something great for us tonight. And uh, he did what he does, which is just yell and scream and leave. Amen. Everybody say, the devil can't stop what God has for me this year. Three years, starting in 2020, this country was locked down and facing major threat. The devil took his best swing, and he missed. And now we're in a season where the devil has been rebuffed, pushed out, just like he got pushed out right now. And this is our open window to see God do amazing things at a rapid pace in, in Jesus' name. 
I'm telling you this. This year, there are people in this room. You're going to have God do more this year than your entire Christian life put together before this year because this is Amos 9.13 time. So let me tell you, congratulations in advance on the best year that you've ever had. Give the Lord another great hand clap. Come on, give Jesus a great hand clap.
Hallelujah. What an honor to be here tonight, expecting great things. Can you say amen? These are singers from the River Church and our band orchestra playing behind them. I couldn't bring the whole orchestra, but I brought them in a box. And so um, I'm glad to be here with my dear friend, Pastor Jonathan. Amen. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for your precious people that have come tonight. May not one leave here the same way they came. Touch every heart. You know exactly what they believe in you for. That between now and the conclusion of the service, they will receive from your hand. And we thank you for it. Holy Spirit, do whatever you want to do. Breathe on your people tonight. Touch them in a very special and a very real way. And we covenant with you in advance to give you all the glory, all the praise and the honor. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, this meeting was pulled together just at such a short notice, and I know there's something about some honky-tonk thing. I don't, I don't know what that is. <laughs> it has nothing to do with our ministry. It's, it's the whole Pittsburgh thing. They, they lean towards that whole side. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> he had to come into National Religious uh, Broadcasters today, and he said, you want to go there? I said, no, what do I want to do there? I said, uh, I'm, I'm racing. I was, I was racing. I was racing at 130-plus miles down the straight. And I said, I'll come later. I'll be. He said, please come to the meeting. So I'm here. I came for the meeting. We just flew in. And here we are, over 500 people here tonight. You know, that's not bad. That's better than poking the eye with a blunt stick on a cold day, you know. Just at a last minute. How many just saw that thing at the last minute? You said, I have to be there. The poor dude who was screaming, if he had just hung around, he would have heard all the stuff he wanted to hear. So like, maybe you shouldn't go to meetings, don't sprouting out. Thank God I wasn't up here. He got it, he, he handled him very gently. <laughs> tell you right now, if he can thank God I wasn't up on the platform. And if there's anybody here want to pull something here, be careful. Well, I'll come down there. I promise you, I'll take that chair and stick it right up. You know where. <laughs> They'll have to surgically remove it. Now, I'm not looking for a fight, but this is our meeting. It's not your meeting. If you want a meeting, go get your own auditorium, advertise it, and get your group together, and let's see how many people want to listen to you. I can already tell you, nobody. That's why you're broadcasting from your mama's basement. Amen. All right. So you can see, you can see he got off easy with you. And I'm, I love people, but I don't like people coming causing trouble. Amen. Uh, you know, when you mentioned, I was thinking about when we were here four years ago, because we'd just come into town, and um, I was warning everybody at the NRB. I said, they're going to lock America down. Everybody said, calm down. Just calm down. I said, no, you don't understand. 
See, I knew about these lockdowns in 2005. I wasn't asking for it. Um, I received a visit from members of the Department of, Def of Defense in Tampa, Florida, and they brought me five of these packages. This was September of 2005. So they showed up at my church. They said, you got a very big church. You better know what's coming down. I said, what? They said, well, we're giving you these so you can see what's going to happen. I said, what is this? And there it is, Department of Defense Beneficiary Pandemic Flu Preparedness Kit. And um, inside is the pandemic information sheet, two N95 respirators, four surgical masks, and some hand sanitizer. And on the back, amongst the other things, it says there is no influenza pandemic yet. Local health and government authorities will tell you when there is one. So in other words, this disease is so bad, you won't know you got it. Government will have to tell you that you have it. So you open it up. What do we have here? Some beautiful Purell, which everybody became very familiar with. It. I just wondered why they never stuck a toilet roll in there because everybody was told to buy toilet paper and everybody was buying as many toilet papers as they could. Some of you got toilet paper that will last you till the millennium. I mean, it's just, your grandkids will be asking, what is this? In the days where they don't use toilet paper. Well, this was back from 2020 where we knocked little old ladies in the head at a Walmart to grab toilet paper. Anyway, there's the N95 respirators. Here's the surgical mask. And on there, it says, made in China. <laughs> where the virus comes from. And it was from the Vancouver, Washington office, which is actually the first place where people contracted COVID-19. In America, here's the information sheet, which is everything. Wash your hands, 15 days, basic slow the spread, one to three months schools will close, two weeks of food supply, uh, what to do, you know, masks, six foot separate, all, all the nonsense stuff, which Dr. Finocchio, I mean Fauci, has now said that it was all, they were wrong on, on all of that which we told everybody, it, you know, your, your face mark doesn't protect you from anything. Viruses go in and out the face mark like 40 times. So, um, and even on the mask, it says this protects you from nothing. <laughs> so, one of the things that was very interesting to me, of course, was the fact that the disease was so AI that the disease even knew how far apart you were. Like if you were six foot, you were fine. Six foot separation, you were fine. If you were five foot three, you did. <laughs> the, the disease even knew how to count. They told you could only have 50 people in a gathering. If you were 51, you, you, sorry, you did. <laughs> 49, 50, you're fine. The disease could even tell t time. Like curfew, nine o'clock, you had to be in your house. At 8.59, you're totally fine. At 9.02, dead. <laughs> and the disease knew that when you went to a restaurant, that if you put the mask on, you could go to your seat. The moment you sat down, the disease left you alone because you were eating. <laughs> Why would the disease even attack you if you're sitting down eating. So amazing stuff that we had to deal with 
back in, in, the, in those days. I want to read a verse of Scripture uh, for you tonight, lest someone start screaming out, He got up and he didn't even read a Scripture! <laughs> in case we've got one or two Corins still around. I want to read to you from, um, let's go to the book of Ephesians. And I want to read chapter 1, and I'm going to look at verse 16. The apostle Paul, writing to the church, he says, yeah, He's praying for them. He says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention to you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you a spirit of wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. And revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him in his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come and has put all things under his feet and given him to be the head of all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Then go with me to chapter 3 and verse 14. Another prayer that Paul prayed, these two prayers you want to pray over yourself, basically every day if you can, or weekly. For this cause I bow my knees under the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit of the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God, now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all the ages, world without end. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to the hearts of his people. So, when we left the NRB four years ago, and we got home, I told Pastor Eric, who's been with me 27 years, I said, listen, we're on a 300-city tour of the world. I said, what I want to do, we're going to hit 13 cities, and we're going to hit them in Florida. And I said, um, I, I I'm not going to travel out the state because I'm going to lock everything down, and I'm not going to be caught somewhere in some place where the people have lost their minds. And I said, we'll do the first six cities. We'll start Miami and come up the coast, Naples, Fort Myers, all the way to Sarasota, and then the next seven cities, but that... Those six cities will use a convoy, will go with convoy, and the next seven cities I'm going to use a helicopter because I found a helicopter that could carry eight people that could fly us to the church, to my house. I live in the middle of a forest, and uh, I, was, I was coming home that night. So if some idiot city official locked the city down, I'm going home. 
and you can't stop me. I got a helicopter and I'm out of here before you can do anything. You know, always, Paul used a basket to escape. I just used helicopters. And so, which is something I'll tell Paul when I see him one day. So anyway, that's what we did. Well, things were starting to get, you could see sideways. When you're in a meeting and people are not too sure if they should even be there, which that's how it was back then. On Monday, the 16th day of March, 2020, we were over in Coca Beach area. And I arrived, the pastor who's in his 70s, who now, by the way, has the biggest church because he never closed. He's a you know, missionary pastor, and they travel through Africa and whatever. We come from, I come from Africa, if you didn't know that, I'm an African. And we go to cities and towns and villages where there's Ebola, yellow fever, where there is tuberculosis, every kind of communicable disease. We pray for people with leprosy and flesh-eating disease. We don't know, get away from me, whatever. So when they said, oh, you're going to lock the church down, I said, for what? Well, George Bush is going to quarantine whole cities because of the bird flu. That was back in 2005. I said, bird flu? We don't shut down because of flu. We have a healing school with people dying of cancer. What, what I tell them, oh, you have stage four cancer. Um, sorry, we can't help you. We're afraid of the flu. <laughs> people are dying of every incurable disease. Now, suddenly I have to shut the church down. I called the sheriff. I said, Sheriff, I'm not shutting down. We are an essential service. We feed a thousand families a week. He said, that's right, Dr. Ray. He was a friend of mine. He said, that's right. He said, uh, you come down to the department. I went down. They swore me in and uh, gave me <laughs> army deputy sheriff's badge, which two weeks later, they arrested me. So, I mean, <laughs> you, you can have a badge and get arrested. It doesn't matter. I mean, you could be president of the United States and get arrested. It, nothing means anything these days. So, um, but, and I, I, of course, we move it around. So the pastor, when, when he greeted me, he looked at me and he said, is this it? I said, what? He said, is this, this is the end. This is the start of the tribulation. I said, no. I said, I don't believe that for one moment. I said, because we won't be here. We're not going to be here. The church will be caught away. Now, I know there's some people, I don't believe in that. Well, all I'm going to say to you, enjoy the tribulation. I'm not even going to argue with you. If you don't believe in the catching away of the church, I don't even have time to even sit and discuss it with you. So I said, no, I don't believe that. I believe in Matthew's gospel, chapter 24, it talks about wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, famine, earthquakes. Trouble on every side. Brother will betray brother. You see that happening. And, uh, but he said, this is the beginning of sorrows, but the go this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. Then the end will come. So that's where we are right now. This gospel, everybody say this gospel, this gospel. of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. And then the end will come. So obviously God's called us you know, missionaries. We came from Africa to America's missionaries. My wife and I landed here December 87 with $300, and revival broke out. Now we've been in 92 countries, but our primary call is to the United States. And I thought, if they're locking everything down, how are we going to travel? I thought, well, they, I, I, they're just going to have to arrest me. I'm not, I'm not stopping preaching the gospel because of some idiot sitting in Europe 
through the World Health Organization and through the United Nations suddenly begins to determine that what we do here in America. It's not happening. It's not going to happen. So um, anyway, so the pastor said to me, he said, well, if this is the end, I said, well, we're going home. And I started to weep because I never sat for a moment, thought about going home to be with the Lord. We've just been so busy. This is my 44th year now in the ministry. And we're just so busy winning souls and bringing in the harvest. And um, that, I mean, I, I understand we're going home, but not right now. We've got a job of work to do. How many of you have unsaved loved ones? Well, don't you want them to come into the kingdom? So then we, we don't want Jesus to come right now until everybody that we know is saved. That should be our heart. Can you say amen? amen? And people say, well, I tell you, the world's just gone upside down. I just wish we could just get out of here. Uh, well, you can exit anytime you want to, but I've got a job of work to do, and I want to finish it. I've got, I got some big things in my spirit that I still want to do. These places I haven't been. I mean, I preached in Nashville years ago, but I hadn't been back to Nashville. So I knew it couldn't be the end because I hadn't even been back to Nashville. <laughs> so um, anyway, I, we preached that night, and that was the night where they mandated or they gave the order for 50 people to meet. Well, there was probably about 180 people in the room. So there was about 130 people looking around, feeling like they should be there because the other 50 had claimed their place <laughs> as the 50 that were authorized to be there, you know. And uh, anyway, we finished up the service. I flew home, landed at the house at about 1 o'clock, went upstairs, put my Bible, my notebooks down, and I was finding sleep because I knew morning would come very early. I was up at 5 o'clock on the phones praying with people around the world. We were sending relief. We were helping people, weeping with people, you know. Pastor, we can't even go outside of our house. There's military standing right outside the door. And just the most insane stuff that was taking place, if you remember back what took place four years ago. That's why we must never forget what was perpetrated and the fact that we even free, the fact that I'm standing here in 2024 talking to you tonight. What a miracle. It's a miracle. Total miracle. So, so anyway, I forced myself, okay, you better go to sleep. And I was going to bed at two, waking up at five, and that was three hours, nine sleep. You can't live on that. But that's what I did for months and months. Anyway, I uh, went to my room at about two, and uh, there was an evangelist friend of mine from Australia who kept calling me while I was on the platform. And I texted him and said, can't talk, I'm preaching. I'll call you later. So I, I went, I got into bed just after two. My wife is working on the other side of the room and I'm sitting there with my phone in my left hand and I propped myself up with pillows, which my, in my mind I'm thinking, why don't you go to sleep? But it's like you're trying to squeeze the last bit of the day out, you know, because there still could be something that you haven't finished or haven't accomplished. And I'm, I've always been that way. I always go into the next day to warn it I'm coming. And then I go to sleep, and then I come and bash it with, with what, the Lord, what the Lord wants. 
So I'm holding the phone in my hand, and I was about to doze off. How many, you know, one or two people look like you're about to doze off here. Yeah? I know <laughs> that you've been working so hard today, but I pray the, the Lord refresh you tonight. Amen. Amen. So I got the phone in my hand. My wife's working, and I, four times his name was there in red, which means you've missed a call. I thought I better call him now because there's a big time change between here and Melbourne, and obviously it was frantic. He never calls, ever. I don't even think he knows how to use a phone. (laughs) So I pressed redial, and I didn't know that I was about to have the greatest encounter with God my whole life. I was raised in Pentecost. I was born again at the age of five, baptized in the Holy Ghost when I was eight years of age. And I'd always wanted to see a, a vision, and I prayed to see a vision and never saw anything. And it bothered me. And one day the Lord spoke to me and said, blessed are those that have not seen and yet believed. I said, oh, okay, that's fine. He said, son, you'll walk by faith. But I didn't know I was about to see the first open vision my whole life. And, and it, it totally transformed everything about us, our home ministry, the direction in which we were going, and everything was accelerated. So I'm, I'm sitting in the bed and I press read arm. And he answered the phone. I said, how are you? He said, it's not good. I said, what are you talking about? He says, like the end of days. As he said it, it was a flash of light. And I looked up and around the four post of bed came a tornado of fire and it was coming straight towards me. Now, I'm not talking about make-believe stuff. This is real. I was there. I saw it. My first reaction in my mind looked at it and said, it's not real. You've dozed off and fallen asleep. But It was real because there's my wife, there's the phone, I can hear his voice, and there's that fire coming straight towards me. Now, somebody said, what do you do? There's no place in the Bible that says, here's what you do when a tornado of fire comes at you (laughs) at 10 minutes past two in the early hours of March the 17th, 2020. I didn't know anybody else who had a tornado of fire come straight towards them. I mean, when a fire comes in your room at 10 past two, it's either very good news or very bad news. And you're about to find out quickly. And the fire's coming towards me. My mind is saying, this is not real. But the moment it crossed over my body, my whole body began to shake uncontrollably. And I couldn't even breathe because it was the very essence of God flooded the very room. The very room, the atmosphere changed. And I I was like this, I could hardly breathe, and and this fire is coming straight towards me, and my spirit was in total peace, like I was in heaven. I'm in heaven. My mind's freaking out. My body's shaking. So three things are happening because your spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. So it was, it was, it was overwhelming, and this whole thing took place probably was about ninety seconds, if that. If it had any longer, I would have died. I tell people, if the fire was any bigger than what it was, I'd have died. I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to die that night. And the fire came towards me. And as I'll just say this, because I've been preaching on these lines for the last four years now. This March will be four years since it happened. As it was crossing over me, the, the thing that grabbed me was that I knew that Jesus was with his church. And that if you were a governor, 
a president, a mayor, a lawyer, or anybody that hated the church or was against the church, it was not going to be well with you. That God was going to defend these people and defend the church. And a boldness came on me to protect the body of Christ like I've never had before. I've always been bold. But let me tell you, if there was any fear, it totally left. And the only fear that I have now is that I have no fear at all. There's no thought of any consequence. All that left, because a lot of times when God tells people to do stuff, they never do it because they're worried about the consequences. Well, if I do that, what will people say? If I do that, that's going to bring about this. If I do that, I'm going to be under attack. Well, when the fire of God comes upon your life, all of that goes. You don't actually care about yourself. It's only later on when you sober up, you think, what in the world did I even do? People said, you did this, you did this, you said that. I did. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. Because under the influence, when you come under the influence of the Holy Ghost, are you with me? Then everything changes. The Bible says, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And when you look throughout the book of Acts, you see those that were touched by the fire of God. They moved in another realm, they didn't, it didn't, nothing bothered them. Peter, the one that denied Jesus three times, got up and preached the Pentecost message. You don't, you don't really care. The fire comes. It burns out all the dross. It burns out the fear of man, which brings a snare. And there's no thought of consequence and not even about dying. Because when you die, you know where you're going anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Somebody said, well, what if we go there and die? Then you go to heaven. How bad is that? There's nobody that's gone to heaven that walks around heaven going, I tell you, it's just terrible that I'm here. I, I shouldn't be here. I'm here early. And who's going to feed my dog back at the house? And I forgot. Folks, it doesn't even work like that. All of this stuff is temporal. Everything you see here on the earth is temporal. It'll all pass away. Whatever you searching after is temporal. The things you're fighting over is all temporal. But the Bible says there's a heaven again and a hell to shun. And you don't have to go to a devil's hell because 2,000 years ago, Jesus died for you on the cross and paid the price for your sin. And all you have to do is humble yourself to receive it. You can't earn it. You can't even buy it. It's free. So the fire comes. It comes right here. I look down at it. And then it licked like fire and water and went into my spirit. It went into my innermost being. Boom, like that. And I jumped in the bed. And when I did... I, I suddenly found out where your innermost being is. And, and I, I said, oh, that's my, my, my mind said, oh, that's where you are. It's really deep down on the inside. He said, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And so I felt that for the first time, where, how deep it is. And as it hit me, I began to groan in the deepest of heavenly language, which was a diverse kind of tongues, and it rolled like a river, and then I knew the words in English would come, because that's what happens after 
divers tongues, it comes interpretation of tongues, and the word of the Lord came right out of my spirit. And this is what the Spirit of God said. The end is not yet. The end is not yet. I'm sifting my people. I'm separating the wheat from the tares, the profane from what's holy, the false from what's real, and I'm purifying my bride. Now, this is what broke me. This busted me. I'm telling you, I was a wreck. For, for, I'm still, I mean, yesterday I was walking around my house crying or the day before over it because it, that's what happened. It's the compassion of God that comes upon you. The Lord said to me, he said, I love my church and they're not ready for my coming, but I love them so much I'm going to get them ready for my coming. Yes. Which, which I would just say, Lord, if you... If you want to come, come. Forget about the rest of them. Like, seriously. But he said, no, I love them. I'm going to get them ready for my coming. That overwhelmed me, and I preached on the love of God for years. But let me tell you, it's a different thing to just talk about, but when you experience, when that love comes and explodes on the inside of your spirit, all fear leaves. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. When, when fear leaves, then faith can begin to operate. Faith that begins to speak and begins to decree without any doubt, without any reservation, there is no other option. It's only going to be victory because that's the way God functions. Can you say amen? God's not sitting in heaven worried about how the church is going to survive. Because Jesus is actually seated at the right hand of the Father praying for you. And Jesus gets his prayers answered. The Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for you. He's praying for you. Somebody said, well, uh, how are you going to make it? I said, don't worry, Jesus is praying for me. Somebody said, how can I pray for you? Don't. <laughs> A lot of times when people say, how can we pray for you? It's basically to find out some of the struggles you have so they can put it on Facebook or run around and tell everybody, I just spoke to him. Yes. Things are really bad. So that's why people say, how can we really pray for you? I said, don't pray about anything. Thank you. Everything's fine. It's all fine. Everything's good. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> nosy, nosy. How can, <laughs> Brother Rodney, how can we really pray for you? If you don't know what I'm doing, if you have no, you have no clue what the ministry is doing, otherwise you'd know how to pray for me. We're going after the harvest. We're running to the nations. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to be a rocket scientist about that. So anyway, so when the fire disappeared, it went in me. It never left. I, thankfully, I don't see it. Somebody said, do you want to see it again? No. <laughs> it's too holy. That's why I have a problem with people that always see stuff every day. And I won't go into that. That's for another time, another place. But uh, I just think it's a, uh, too much, too many drugs. <laughs> too many drugs and the effects still hang around because they make up all kinds of religious stuff. And they were sitting at Cracker Barrel and an angel came, sat down, talked to them for three hours. And they really seriously. If an angel walked into Cracker Barrel, you and everybody in Cracker Barrel would be on their face and you would have a major revival breakout. It, these are holy things. This is not a game. We're not playing a game. 
Can you say amen? amen. So um, I looked down, and in fr- right where the fire was was the earth. And it, w- it was beautiful. I looked at it. I could see. It's like I had own, my own Google Earth in front of me. And there was a, uh, I could see the continents and the oceans. And covering the earth was like a gauze curtain, which I knew was the plague. Not the disease, but the fear that gripped the souls of men that kept people in their house. Well, you remember people were hugging each other through plastic bags. How many remember that? (laughs) People couldn't go to Christmas parties. They couldn't go to Thanksgiving. No! You haven't been, you haven't had the shot. Anybody remember this stuff? It's like the whole world went totally insane. It's not funny. I've, I've, I've got, I mean, I've got too much information. I've got the stuff from around the world. I mean, I, I could show you videos for hours on all the nonsense that was going on. People don't believe this stuff, but that's what was taking place because the mainstream media, they don't tell you what's going on. There were politicians wanting to come out with a mask for your behind. Because they felt that if you pass gas, <laughs> that you would be spreading COVID. I thought, well, we have a lot of, we have a lot of Hispanics in our church. They, they would never be able to eat beans again. I mean... This is why I wondered in the early days why people would sit in church like this. I'm not making this stuff up. This is what they were planning. Imagine, you've got to wear a mask on your face and one on your behind. Totally insanity. You've lost your mind. This is not even science. So anyway, this curtain covered the earth, and my, I was shaking, and my hand, as though it was like the hand of the Lord, cleared. The earth was clear. And I heard this, and I, the Lord your God, will do this work, and I don't care who's in the White House or who's in this agency or that, which the agency is called the who? The World Health Organization. God said, I don't care who's in the White House or who's in this agency or that. And I said... I said, well, I actually do care who's in the White House. And he said, I don't. I said, I do. He said, I don't. So we argued. I argued with him for about four and a half months till I finally gave up and said, if you don't care, I don't care either. Because <laughs> we actually don't know who's in the White House. Who actually is in the White House? Do we actually know? We don't really know. Amen. Uncle Joe wanders around. He doesn't even know if he's there. <laughs> He doesn't. Just take me to Delaware. (laughs) On a beach in Delaware. So so then it was done. I couldn't speak. And I hung up because it's pointless trying to talk to somebody who can't speak. 
My wife came and stood by the bed. We both wept. And from that day, everything changed. So we're here tonight. Obviously, this service is a tag team here. Uh, we'll receive an offering near the end, and it's split between two ministries. We didn't come here for that. You don't have to give anything tonight if you don't want to. We just are here, but we will receive an offering, just so you know. I know he said uh, what he said, but we will receive one tonight. <laughs> so you can leave any time between now and before we receive, and then you won't be subjected to that. But we've come here to light a fire in the heart of every believer because the fact is that God has sustained you. The Lord has kept you. How many should have been dead? Okay, but you're not. So that means God must have preserved you for this hour because he has something very big that he wants you to do. As the evangelist was saying earlier. Because if the devil had had his way, you would have been taken out in 2020 or 21 or 22 or 23. If he could, he would take you out now, but he can't because the hand of God is on your life and the Lord has sustained you even until this hour. The only thing we can take with us when we leave this earth is people. That's why people are the most valuable thing on the face of the earth. Houses and lands and all of this stuff, those are just tools that we use. But ultimately, how many know all this stuff's going to be destroyed anyway? We're going to have a new heavens and a new earth. So this is temporal stuff. Temporal. People are eternal. Your spirit is eternal. And our job is to go and plunder hell and populate heaven and bring as many people into the kingdom as possible. Now, do we leave this up to one or two or three evangelists? Which is what many people think. We should just leave this up to one or two or three, the great Billy Graham's ministry in his whole lifetime saw close to 8 million people saved. That's it. Since his death, I believe 26 million people have been saved. So basically, you can work as a minister, and by the time you're ready to use what you built, you're too old. Hello. So his whole organization is now using every form of technology to preach the gospel. And since he's homegrown, he's had more people saved in his death than he did when he was alive. So this cannot rest upon one or two or three. Thank God for Billy Graham. Thank God for R. Roberts. Thank God for all Rana Bonker, all the Rana Bonker's ministry, 79 million people saved in 79 years. You, you can't go buy a Ronald Bonk at the store. 
You can't walk in, give me one run, a bonker, two teal Osborns, I'll take a billygram and throw in uh, whatever on the side. These gifts are birthed in the fire. But let me tell you, every person in this room can tell somebody about Jesus. Somebody said, well, nobody will listen to me. If you have no fire, no one's going to listen to you. But if you have the fire, people are going to listen to you. Somebody said, they don't know my name. They don't need to know your name. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw men unto me. It's not about your name. It's about his name. It's about proclaiming his name. And when that fire comes on you, and you begin to proclaim, people are going to bump into you wherever you are, at the mall, at your job, at your school, at a place of education, wherever you are, because this is not limited to church. If it was about church, which this is a very religious city, apart from being musical, it's a very religious musical city. Hello, church is on every street corner. Will, you know, will there be any stars in my crown? No, not one. No, not one. These are two churches right next to each other. It's a joke. <laughs> and if you begin to even talk to people, they say, I have my church. And they actually get angry with you. How dare you even talk to me? I'm from the first church of the Frigidaire. It's a religious place. Religion is like embalming fluid. Churches. Let me leave that alone. And that's all over Tennessee. I mean, there's places in Tennessee we see the breakthrough, but Tennessee, I'm, I'm just telling you, it, it's full of religion. Full of religion. I think they breed religion here in Tennessee. <laughs> Carry a Bible big enough to choke a bear. Hello, no life, no joy, nothing. Sunday, they have their little service. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, there's no connection between them and the kingdom of God. Now, I've done my duty. So... And I'm not just picking on Tennessee, but I am picking on Tennessee because that's where we are here. If I was in another state, I'd be picking on them. Somebody said, but I thought you liked Tennessee. My son-in-law was born in Tennessee. Yeah, we like Tennessee, but it's embalmed with religion. Religion's a terrible thing. It's like bad breath. You don't know you have it, but everybody else does. There's a lost and dying world out there looking for something that's real. That's why people are using every form of uh, drugs, alcohol, and everything in between, because they're trying to find something that's real. They can't find it in the religious system. Because the religious system cannot provide it. The religious system is a hewed out system that holds no water. It's clouds without rain. 
But when the gospel, when the power of God comes and the power of the Holy Ghost comes, it answers all of the problems. It doesn't matter who the person is, whether you be a scientist, a doctor, or a street bum, it's the same to every man. It knows no boundary. It knows no border. You don't even need an education to get it. That's why Jesus told them, said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you so that you can be a witness unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of Nashville, Tennessee. This is it. This is the uttermost parts. People in this city, they don't, they don't really know. They don't even know there's a dam up here that if that dam wall breaks, your city will be covered in water. They'll never, they'll never get it out. Someone said, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, right up the road, yeah. I talked about this a long time ago on television. Y'all better pray for that dam to hold. Are you listening to me? They said out of the tens of thousands of dams and levees and weirs, there's only a few inspectors, and they haven't been inspecting anything. There's cracks in major stuff. Our infrastructure, of course, we can tell you about what's happening in America. Uh, everything's going to Ukraine, which is the biggest money laundering operation on the face of the planet. Hello. And uh, all of the nonsense that's going on, open borders, which obviously, um, I'm going to leave that alone tonight. So people actually don't know that they're actually walking on a tightrope. That's why you can be here today and gone tomorrow. A lady came to me the other day. She said, Pastor Ronnie, what happens if they nuke us? I said, well, just pray the nukes on your head because you just see a bright light and go to heaven. You don't want to be in the fallout zone. Amen? And of course, I'm not afraid to die, so it doesn't really bother me. Whatever. We're going to live our life, do what God's called us to do. We're not afraid. I'm just telling you, the world doesn't know. The world doesn't know how bad things actually are. The world doesn't even understand that their life could be over just like, just like that. And the only hope is Jesus. How are they going to hear if somebody doesn't come their way? How are they going to know if somebody doesn't come and tell them? You think they're going to go to the churches? Hello? How come we've got this room, over 500 people here on a Wednesday night with, what, 60 hours notice? Because they heard that we were dead? They heard that we were just going to give a nice speech. We're going to do a pantomime. This meeting was advertised from my side as the Holy Ghost and Fire Night. Amen. We had the honky tonk up front. 
<laughs> I told my guys when you sing, you better sound honky-tonk, otherwise they're going to think he lied about the deal. Anyway, and here's the thing, it's not just for the young people, it's for every single person in this room. God has a plan for every single person in this room, and the Lord wants to use you by His Spirit one person set ablaze by the fire of God can wreak havoc in the camp of the enemy. Just one. Just one person. And don't tell me you're too old. If you're under 120, God wants to use you tonight. And the Lord can use you for the remainder of your days. And even if there's three years left or 10 years left or whatever, God wants to use you. And tonight, we're going to give you an opportunity to make that commitment, not only to check your heart, to make sure you're right with God. Maybe you're here tonight, you're not saved. You can get saved. But to make sure that you're on fire for God and that you purpose in your heart. From now to the time that Jesus comes, I'm going to tell one person a day about Jesus. Who feels that the Lord can use you to tell one person a day about Jesus? Just one. Somebody said, I'll tell 10. I don't want you to tell 10. I want you to just tell one person. On the day of Pentecost, 120 people got the fire, and then 3,000 were saved and 5,000 were saved. Now, I want to just share another thing with you, and then we're going to pray. In October of 2019, at our minister's conference, I said this prophetically. I said, now next October 2020, I, I had no clue. I knew something was going wrong, but you can't really put your finger on it until it happens. I said, next October, I'll tell you about the next 10 years. Well, when I walked off the platform, my wife says to me, what about the next 10 years? I said, I'll tell you next October. I didn't know. I just, what came out of my spirit. Pastor Eric says, what about the next 10 years? I said, I'll tell you next October. So then 2020 happens. I end up getting arrested because I kept the church open. Two weeks after the open vision, they busted me. I went to the big house. <laughs> they struck me in the slam. I was only there for 40 minutes. I was so tired, I fell asleep in the cell. And they let me out. And, uh, you know, it actually was good. It was a great thing to happen, really, to be honest with you. Everything exploded in our ministry. If I'd have known we would get that blessed by getting arrested, I would have got arrested 30 years ago. <laughs> but, you know, the first, the first preacher in 150 years to get arrested for keeping a church open. So anyway, 2020 comes, so all this nonsense happens, and here we come to October. Coming up to October, I'm praying like crazy. God, you better tell me about the next 10 years. I'm, I can't lie. I'm not going to get up and tell the people, make some story up. If you said it, then I need to know. So on the morning, Thursday morning, Thursday night of the camp meeting was when I tell everybody the vision. I still had nothing. So I told my wife at lunch, I said, are you coming back to pray with me this afternoon? I got to get the mind of God about the next 10 years. She said, no, I'm not coming. I'm going to get my hair done. 
which is what your wife normally, that's what they do. On the morning of my arrest, they come in, they're busting in to come get me. I'm about to turn myself over. My wife's putting makeup on. I said, sweetheart, you have to follow me to the police station to bail me out. She said, I've got to put makeup on. I said, seriously? Because <laughs> you know, when your husband gets arrested, you've got to have makeup on. So I tell all the men this now, don't worry. If there's ever a problem, leave your wife out of it. Just let her do her hair, get her makeup done, and you go fight the bear and the lion and whatever. So, so anyway, I, she goes off. So I go to the bus. We st- I stay on the property during the conference because I live an hour away in the middle of a forest, which doesn't help you because they put a helicopter over your head and arrest you at your house, which is what they did. And um, so I, I'm in the bus. I, I, so I start to pray. I got my notebook, my Bible. I said, Father, I'm here now. Lord, there's four hours between now and the night service. I really need to know about the next 10 years because I said this last year and I'm not going to make anything up, but you nearly need to give me direction, you know, because I'm, I'm, <laughs> I need to know, you know. And I prayed and it was nothing, like nothing. So I said, Father, please... Um, Four hours to go for the service. I really need direction from you concerning the next 10 years. You know what I said last year? I'm not going to make anything up. There's nothing. Uh, Father, um, this is Rodney. Do you remember me? (laughs) And then suddenly I went, help! I shouted. And when I did, I heard God laugh. And he laughed at me. He was laughing at me. He laughed at me, and he said, oh, you. I said, oh, me? What about me? He said, I already told you. I said, what do you mean you told me? When did you tell me? He said, well, tell the people in October there's an election. Tell them four years after that there's another election. Tell them four years after that there's another election. That means in the next 10 years there's three elections. Tell them, I don't care who's in the White House, and I don't care who's in this agency or that. Tell my people, do only what I tell you to do. Get married, have children, build houses, plant churches, travel the world. Do only what I tell you to do, and I will be with you as I have been with every other generation for the past 2,000 years. And I went, that's it? I said, how do you even get a message out of that? What? There's no notes for that. And I walked into the service. We worshiped for an hour and probably 30 minutes. Places packed, ceremony. There were people outside. We didn't even have the pavilion up yet. And I started preaching. I preached for five hours. Somebody said, oh, no, not tonight. No, I never said that. That was then. Not tonight. I'm out of here. I'm leaving. I promise you. I, I've got to get back to Tampa. My plane's on the thing. I'm out of here. I'm, I'm not staying the night in Nashville. I didn't even want to come here. Seriously, I didn't. He talked me into it. I said, I don't want to go to Nashville. You know, I really want you to come out. I said, I don't want to go. I'll go at another time, not now. He said, no, please come now. So I'm actually here against my will. <laughs> no, we love you. We love you. We're glad you came. And I'm glad to be here. I am. I'm glad to be here. 
And so I preached five hours. I looked, the clock said 20 to 2. I thought, what? It's 20 to 2? You can't. Now, I'm a pastor, okay? And, and I'm an evangelist. So I, I'm looking at the clock at 20 to 2. You can't keep the people here all night. There's another service at 9.30 in the morning. So now I'm having an argument with myself, okay? So the pastor side says, listen, you need to let the people go right now. The evangelist side says, look, what are you talking about? Man, the power of God's hit the place. This is phenomenal. I know, but I'm the pastor here. I understand that. <laughs> but you need me. Don't you understand? This is the word of the Lord. So nobody can see the internal battle that's going on. So I said to the people, I said, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize it was 22 in the morning. And I said, we haven't even received an offering. I said, I want us to give out the offering on us, do what God tells you to do, and we'll sing a song, we'll go home. And it was like five minutes, the whole thing was wrapped up, everybody left. Well, they, they messaged, they called me at four o'clock in the morning, pastor, the offering was $285,000. I said, what? At 20 to two in the morning? Who takes an offering at 20 to two in the morning? At 22 in the morning, you just apologize to people, let them go home. At 22, you pay them to leave, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> the next morning, I got up, I shared about the miracle. The offering in the morning was 300,000. The next night, 300,000. Now, I mean, I, I have a problem because, it's, you know, in three services, we're close to a million dollars coming. I said, I, I, this is October 2020. I'm saying, what? I said, Lord, can you please explain to me? I don't understand this. I've been in the ministry a long time. I've never seen this before. Can you just explain to me what in the world has just happened? You know what he said to me? He said, you spoke my word. My faith came into the hearts of my people. And suddenly they had a vision for the next 10 years and they could see their way through all the problems and they know they don't have to hold on, worry about hanging on to all their provision. They know that I'm going to be with them and I'm going to sustain them and I'm going to take care of them. And then 21 was over the top. 22 blew through that. 23 was next level. 24, this is going to be the greatest year ever for the church. The greatest year ever. And by God's grace, in our ministry, I know he's been going crazy, but we've been able to put $27 million we've been able to give to other ministries around the world from our ministry just in four years. That's a miracle. That's a total miracle. Total miracle. Everything paid. Everything paid. And we're sitting on 47 million decisions for Christ. And we, we feel heaven's mandate, heaven. We, we just hit 10 countries in Africa back in September. We're about to hit another seven countries now, the whole month of April. And we're going to London. We, we've rented Wembley Arena in London the first week of July. Listen, no, because I tell you, God's not done with the planet. We've got a huge stadium, 50,000-seat stadium in Cape Town, booked for three nights in April. We believe in God for... Uh, I know there's over 54,000 registered just for that event already. So we believe in God for this harvest to come in. And um, I feel that urgency, but the Lord already spoke to me between now and 2029. Somebody said, what about the next 10 years? You have to be at the conference October 2029. I will tell you about the next 10 years. Can you say Amen. No, God is with his people. I want you to leave here tonight knowing that God is with his church. He's with you. He's with you. He's on your side. He's for you. He's not against you. He loves you. 
And I want you to know this. If you knew how much he loved you, if every person in this room could understand tonight how much the Lord loves you personally, you would never have another day of depression. Somebody said, you just saying that. No, I'm telling you, that's what he told me in the early hours of the morning. He said, tell my people how much I love them. I'm not against them. I'm for them. I'm on their side. I'll never fail them. I'll never leave them. He loves you. He loves you very much. Someone said, Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. No, but he does. Somebody said, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. No, and really, that's none of my business. But I know what Jesus has done. And tonight, you can receive that full experience of that love and know his grace and his kindness and his forgiveness and his mercy for your life. And then because of that, you can receive the fullness of his spirit and his fire that will propel you and carry you. And God will use you. God will use you in a powerful way to touch the lives of many people. How many believe in what's going to happen coming out of this service tonight? Amen. Praise God. Well, just if let's do this right now. And of course, as you know, the service is in two parts. The evangelist is going to come after this and minister, but I need to do this right now. I want you to bow your heads, if you would, please, across this room. And I want to give a challenge here tonight. If you fit in any one of these categories, I would love to pray with you and for you. Maybe you came here tonight. You say, Pastor, I have never given my life to Jesus. I'm not born again. Tonight, you can receive this free gift by humbling yourself and saying, Lord, come. Maybe you've come here tonight. You say, I gave my life to Jesus years ago, but I'm not serving God like I should. The things of the world hold me. Hidden things that clog my heart, pride, unforgiveness, bitterness, jealousy, anger, lust, the hidden things. Maybe it's outward things that people can see, and because of that, the devil uses against you to keep you in a place of guilt and condemnation, but tonight... The Lord says, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to renew you. I'm going to revive you. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to grace you. I'm going to equip you. Everything's about surrender. Maybe you're here in this room tonight. You say, well, it's not hidden or outward, but a storm came against my life, a sudden divorce, a bankruptcy, the loss of a loved one, a sudden illness, the betrayal of a close friend, the loss of a job. Something happened that rocked my world, that shook me to the core. But tonight, I want to surrender my life afresh and say, come, Lord Jesus. He loves you. He loves you so much. Would you surrender? And then lastly, maybe you're here in this place tonight, and you say, Pastor, I love the Lord with all my heart, but I'm not sure of my salvation. The devil's always lying to me, telling me that I'm not saved, but I want to know. 
I want to make sure, I want to know that I know that I know that I'm a child of God. Remember, when God looks at people, he doesn't look on the outside. He looks on the inside. When God looks at people's hearts, we either on fire or we lukewarm or we cold. Revelation speaks about that. That's your temperature of your heart. That's why we preach revival, to revive the church, to bring it back to its first love so they fall in love with Jesus all over again. If this is you tonight and you fit into any one of these categories, I would love to pray with you and for you. Right where you are, won't you quickly just put your hand up, say, pray for me right now. All across the room, just raise your hand up high and say, pray for me. I want every person with your hand in the air to stand right now. Stand, 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 stand. Every person with your hand in the air, stand. There's others here the Spirit of God is speaking to right now, quickly. Quickly. You might never have another opportunity. This night, your life could be required of you. You might go home, put your head on your pillow in the middle of the night, pass. Where would you go? Quickly. If this is you, just stand along with the rest of them right now. Tonight is your night of freedom. He calls you. I want every person that's standing to come and walk down the aisle. Come stand right here. We're going to pray together. Come. Come. Come, He calls you. Come, He calls you. Come, Nashville. He's calling you now. There's others right now. The Spirit of God is speaking to come. Get up from your seat and come. Open thine arms. Thine arms of love. Lord, I'm coming home. Lord, I'm coming home. I've coming home. But now I'm coming home. The path of sin. The path of sin. Too long I've tried. Too long I've tried. Lord, I'm coming home. time you look at me if you would please I've had the privilege of doing this in 92 countries it's my 44th year 
Everywhere I go, people come to me and they remind me of where the altar was and where they came and they prayed the prayer and what God's done in their life. So to to some in the religious circle, this is just a call for the altar. But to me, this is a very holy moment. To me, this is no different than when that fire came in my room in the early hours. In actual fact, over the last four years, I found myself just sitting in my house, just weeping. It was over here, over you. That's why we came tonight. The Lord loves every single one of you. And tonight is about total surrender. I can't buy it. I can't even go outside and make myself better than come to get it. I just got to receive it. And I do it by faith, which is what salvation is, by faith, through grace. It's everything he did. What do we do? We surrender. And that's what we're going to do right now. If you're here for the first time or you're here to recommit your life or make sure you're going to leave this room totally transformed, not by the hand of man, but by the hand of the Lord. I want you to close your eyes, raise your right hand to heaven. That's where your help comes from. And pray this prayer after me right now. Believe it in your heart and say it with your mouth. Say, Father, I come to you. In the precious name of your son, Jesus, Lord, you said in your word, if I confess with my mouth, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, and I believe in my heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, I will be saved. So, Father, right now, I confess Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart right now. Take out the stony heart. Put in the heart of flesh. Wash me. Cleanse me. Change me. Fill me. Use me. Let me never be the same again. I turn my back on the world. I turn my back on sin. And I follow you, Lord Jesus. Thank you tonight that by faith I receive this free gift of salvation now. From this day, I belong to you and you belong to me. And from this day, I will serve you. Thank you for saving me now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now lift both hands. Let me pray over you right now. Father, I pray that you would seal them now by your blood and by your spirit. And on that day, not one would be missing. Raise them up to be mighty men and women of God and use them to impact this generation, we pray. In Jesus' name, I break every bondage. I break every addiction. I break every attack of the enemy against your life. Whatever the enemy was planning for your life is canceled tonight. And God's plan for your life is enacted from this moment. And you will never be the same again in Jesus name that's the power of God on you right now that's the fuego the Dios that's the presence of God coming on you right now that fire will burn in you from now till the day that Jesus comes to take you home and the Lord will use you to touch many people's lives father thank you for this lady amen thank you for this man thank you for every person here right now just just lift those hands the power of God's coming upon people all all through this place right now Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your anointing. What about you in the the congregation? You can grab some of this right now too. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you. Thank you for your presence. La presencia de Dios. Thank you for your anointing in this room, touching people's lives tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yeah, yeah. Praise God. Now, I just want to encourage you, don't stay home on Sundays. Get it, get a part of a local church. And the best thing to do is find a church that preaches the full gospel, not a half gospel, that are on fire winning souls to Jesus. Now, I don't know many pastors here, but Pastor Todd Coconotis here. Come up here quickly, brother. He has a church here in Nashville. And I was supposed to go to his church sometime, but I didn't. I got there. Jonathan preempted all of that. So I know. But tell the people, give me a mic, guys. I need a mic. Tell them where your church is so if people don't have a church, they can come to your church. Yes, we, how many want a place where the fire of God is moving? Amen. Uh, yeah, tell, so, them, tell them where your church is. It, it's in Gallatin, Gallatin, Tennessee. So it's like literally about 40 minutes north of here. 40 and, minutes? Yes, sir. Well, you, you, you moved out of We're town. We're moving, though. We're moving in three weeks to Hendersonville. So 10 minutes closer. Okay, well. Yes, sir. I guess everything's along a fair piece over here. It is. All it right. is. But well, I do know him. He's a friend of mine. He's a Hollywood child actor that the Lord raised up. He was fired upon point blank. Hey, they try to kill you. Stabbed me nine times and uh, went in the heart and went in the presence of the Lord and the Lord is real. And I was never going to be a pastor, but here I am. Yeah. Yeah. So he moved from Hollywood. Yeah. So, but he's a Holy Ghost man. Loves Jesus. You, Amen. You, so what's the name of your church? Well, they don't find you. Remnant Revival Center in Gallatin right now, which moved into Hendersonville. So Remnant Revival Center. Just go to pastortodd.org. Pastortodd.org. Anyway, bottom line is I'm supposed to come here and do one night with him at his church, yes. and uh, here I am here at the, at the Sheraton. We're just glad you came, Pastor. I know that. I know that. Anyway, bless you. Bless you. Thank you, sir. So now let me ask a question. How many standing here feel that you can tell one person today about Jesus? Till, till the time the Lord comes. Somebody say, I don't talk. Give me your phone. I'll tell you your total talk time, and I'll tell you you do talk. Okay. How many in the congregation feel that you can tell people about Jesus? Okay. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to go back to your seat, and then I'm going to put a weapon in your hand, and I'm going to give you a tool that's going to help you talk to people about Jesus every day. Okay? So if you go back to your seat, thank you for coming tonight. Service is not over. It's not over yet. I want the ushers to come and hand these out, please. It's what's called the gospel soul winning script. We've got this in over 50 languages. And this is how we've had 47 million decisions. People are winning souls everywhere using the script. Somebody said, I don't need to use the script. I've memorized the scriptures. Shut up and use the script. <laughs> and I want your religious stance on this. Just use the script. It works. It works. It totally works. We hand them out. We've got them in over 50 languages. Arabic, Chinese, German, Dutch, French, Pig Latin. We've got it in Haitian, with Creole. We've got, we've got it in Eubonics. We've got it in every language. I think we have it in Braille as well. (laughs) 
Everybody say souls. souls. Now, our ministry is very controversial, if you didn't know that, part, partly because we have a lot of joy in our meetings, which, of course, Nashville desperately needs a lot of joy. And also the fact that I got arrested. So I'm the happy pastor who got arrested. But the Bible says you go out with joy and be led forth with peace. Sad soul winners are not going to see results. Happy, happy soul winners. And the gospel is good news. It's not bad news. Never has been. So let me demonstrate how this is going to work. Pastor Eric's going to come right now and show you how to use this. We take two minutes, but this is important. We use this in schools, universities, retirement homes, assisted living homes, military bases, places of government, on the streets, under bridges, and we're leading people to Jesus. We've got many people now that are saved, full of the Holy Ghost, married, got children, on fire, passing churches, and they were living under a bridge. Hallelujah. Is there one? If you don't raise your hand, we'll get it to you. We call this method power evangelism because of Acts 1.8. You receive power to be a witness. Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation everyone that believes. Second Timothy 1.7, The Lord has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So because you're on fire and you love Jesus and you share this simple gospel, they're going to see Jesus in your eyes, feel Jesus in your touch, and hear Jesus in your voice. People are going to get saved. So all we do is just read it because it has the gospel in it. So um, I have Carson here, and we're going to just do an example of how to lead somebody to the Lord. And I'm going to pretend like Carson's not saved and we work together. We're in the music industry. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 we're in the, me absolutely, in the music industry. And uh, uh, so anyways, uh, I'm going to go to lunch, and I've been praying for him. And I said, I go to Pastor Todd's church, so I, I'm going to say, hey, listen, let's go to lunch. And I take him to lunch, and then the whole idea is I'm going to preach a gospel to him. So let's just read this, take this out. You guys follow along. So we're at lunch right now. We're just eating. We work together. And then I'll say, hey, Carson, has anybody ever told you that God loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life? I have a real quick but important question to ask you. If you died this very second, do you know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that you'd go to heaven? Absolutely. Okay, great. Why would you say yes? Well, I mean, I'm a good person. I've never, I've never really done anything bad. I try my best to always help others. That's awesome. We need more great people out there. Let me just jump in. Number one answer in the world, I'm a good person. That's why people think they're going to go to heaven. So if they say anything other than great, say yes, why would you say yes? Other than, well, I'm saved. I'm born again. I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ or something like that. You just proceed with the gospel scripture card. Even if they say they're an atheist, the gospel is still the power of God to an atheist. So don't argue. Just keep reading because we're about to go into three scriptures. And the gospel is the power of God. So we're just going to believe God's going to do something, okay? So he said, I'm a good person. I said, okay, great. And it, and it says, let me quickly share with you what the Holy Bible reads. It reads, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it also reads that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
and you're a whosoever, of course you are, we all are, then it says turn the card over. That was three scriptures, and even though Carson might be eating a burger, acting like he's not listening to me, you know, here's what you need to understand, that the Holy Spirit is pounding at his heart saying, listen to this guy. And then also, what about the prayers of his mom or grandmother that says, save my boy, save my grandson, whatever. A lot of things are happening in the spirit realm that you don't see, and you might even have your knees bouncing together and the spit dry up in your mouth, but the gospel is still the power of God. So now you turn your card over and it says, I'm going to say a quick prayer for you. It didn't say, do you have six weeks to go to my Bible study? It said, I'm going to say a quick prayer for you. So you just read it. Who believes in Nashville, Tennessee, God can still answer a prayer? Okay, then listen to the prayer. I'm going to say a quick prayer for you. Lord bless Carson and his family with long and healthy lives. Jesus, make yourself real to him and do a quick work in his heart. If Carson has not received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, I pray he'll do so now. I just prayed God's going to do a quick work and he's going to get saved. Now, it's up to Carson now, but then... I just continue. Carson, if you would like to receive the free gift that God has for you, say this after me with your heart and your lips out loud. Say, Dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. Come into my heart. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me. Wash me. And cleanse me. Cleanse me. Set me free. Set me free. Jesus. Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for dying for me. I believe. I believe. That you're risen from the dead. That you're risen from the dead. And you're coming back again for me. And you're coming back again for me. Fill me. Fill me. With the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit. Give me a passion. Give me a passion. For the lost. For the lost. A hunger. A hunger. For the things of God. For the things of God. And a holy boldness. And a holy boldness to preach the gospel to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ of Jesus Christ. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm born again. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. And I'm on my way to heaven. And I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus in my heart. Because I have Jesus in my heart. Awesome. And then you read the next part. You know, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I tell you today, all your sins are forgiven. Remember this: run to God and not from God, because He loves you and He has a great plan for your life. Man, that's awesome, Carson. You know, I've been praying for you, man. We've been working together, and man, this is a great day. God's doing a great work in your heart, and I go to a great church, Pastor Todd, and and Sundays at nine thirty. And I brought forty minutes to Gallatin. Yeah, about forty, about forty minutes away. So we'll get some breakfast and coffee on the way over there, and uh, and watch a movie. But anyways, um, <laughs> and and. But I'd love for you to come. Just come one time if you like it. Great. If not, you know, I just want you to come one time. And would you come as my personal guest to church Sunday? Absolutely. I would love to. Okay. That's awesome. Now you're shaking my hand. That's, is that a, is that a commitment? And for sure. That's a commitment. Okay. So if I tell Pastor Todd you're coming, you won't disappoint, right? Maybe don't tell Pastor Todd. No, I'm going to tell him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And then what you do is you get a commitment, and then because I have a relationship with him because we work together, I'm the one that follows him up. I'm the one that continues to get back with him. I'm the one that says, come on, man, let's go Wednesday. And and then I'll hand him this, and I'll say, listen, this is the, 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 the card that I just read to you. I want to help you get your whole family saved. I want everybody that doesn't know the Lord, I'm going to help you make sure they make heaven their home, okay? Sounds great. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah, basically, we sing... We see kids in schools being shaken in the Hillsborough County school system. Come run up here, grab that mic, just tell what's happening. This is no jive. 
This is real. This is what's happening, folks. We've slammed the city of Tampa over 20 plus years now. Well, the church is 27 this year, but just tell them what's happening in, in, in the school system. Yes, so we're a part, our, our school district is called Hillsborough County, and uh, in the state of Florida, we are the second largest school district in the state. We have 67 counties, and so our, just in Hillsborough, we have just over 30 public high schools, and uh, in the nation, we are the sixth largest school district in the nation. And so we have made a decision back in 2011. The Lord spoke to me after speaking at a Bible club one morning, and he said, every place the sole of your foot shall tread, I've given it to you. So we called all of our teenagers together and said, look, God's called you to be a missionary to your campus. And the Lord said, if we'll put our feet on campus, he said he's going to give us that campus. And so from that day to this day, we have been, it has been unbelievable what the Lord has done. Uh, we have seen just over 100,000 decisions for Jesus on our high school and college campuses since 2011. And uh, this year alone, actually, you know, what Pastor said about how things have exploded since his arrest really is not a joke. It was like something just clicked over in the spirit. All the, the time that we've put our feet on campus and all the, the time and the effort that we've sowed and the people we've witnessed to, things have now exploded to where, where what we would see in a full year or two years, we're seeing in half of the year. Just yesterday, I sent out a large group of teenagers and young adults to our campuses, which resulted in almost 700 decisions for Jesus in one day on the high school campuses. We're sitting, we're just now halfway through the school year, and we're sitting on just under 15,000 decisions for Jesus this school year on campuses across Hillsborough County. In addition to that, now what we've started to do is to take ground on campus. So now what we've done is we have, we have actually started clubs on campuses where we're seeing on average 500 to 1,000 kids. We just started a few weeks ago, and we're just now breaking between 500 to 1,000 students in attendance on our, in our campuses. We have high school, and this is not coaches doing it illegally. These are high school principals, vice principals, administrators, coaches, parts of the school board saying, will you please come? I'll give you a classroom. I'll I'll give you a teacher sponsor. I'll even write your club into our school's constitution if you'll come be a part. So since the, the start of this school year, when we decided that, because I really felt that we needed to start taking ground. Yes, winning the souls, but beginning to disciple them on campus. Are they going to come to my youth group? Maybe, maybe not. But so we, what we decided to do was to start taking ground. And so as a result of that now, we, we, are, we already work on all 31 of the, the, the campuses. But as of right now, we've established 18 campuses that have multiple Bible studies meeting multiple days a week, and we're getting free access. We walk into schools. There's no red tape. There's no hard time. They recognize us. They're contacting us. They're calling us. When stuff goes down in the campuses, they're not calling grief counselors. They're calling the church. And so if God can do it in Hillsborough County, and, and that's not even including what's happening on the college campuses because it's also happening on the university campuses. Now we're about to launch it. We have USF, the University of South Florida, and uh, we are we have well established at the one of the campuses in Tampa. I didn't even tell you this yet, but now we're establishing on the campus in St. Petersburg. things that he tells me publicly like this that he's never told me before. So, well, he, it just, he's it, our youth pastor. He, he, many times, everywhere we go, I never told you this yet. It's because it just happens. I find out. It I just, find out on the platform. <laughs> it just happened. 
happened. This just happened this week that we're now establishing over at the St. Petersburg ca- uh, campus as well uh, for USF. And, and then what he does know is now it's not even just our county that's calling. Now we have two, count, two high schools in Pinellas County, which is the Clearwater area, that have now called us. And we've now established two different clubs on those two campuses as well. Yeah. Amen. So the whole, what, what we're doing, even running to the nations, like even in Africa, when we do this big uh, stadium, every person that gets saved is going to be immediately mobilized to win souls, which most people don't do. That's what we just did through Africa now with 10 countries. We mobilized everybody. I think 71,000 people were mobilized in six weeks to win souls. That's just 26 million people a year will hear the gospel from the people mobilized. Somebody said, well, is everybody going to tell people about Jesus? No, the religious people aren't going to tell anybody. But the ones that catch fire will. So we go into retirement homes, assisted living homes, military bases, places of business, places of government, schools, universities. It doesn't matter. Wherever people are, we go in and we pray with people and you can have miracles happen. Obviously, we don't go for miracles first. We go for souls. If they reject, we then go for a miracle because you don't want to get somebody healed and they go to hell. You want to get them saved. Can you say amen? amen. I'll just tell you this quickly. So uh, we went to this retirement home and uh, assisted living home. And when we walked in, it had on the door Alzheimer's unit. So I thought, I'm going to go in there and go see if I can reach somebody. Because obviously they say the people in there lost their minds. And I've preachers telling me I've lost my mind. So I thought, who better to reach people that have lost their mind than somebody who's lost their mind? <laughs> so I walked in this room and I wasn't ready for what happened. I, I'll, be, I'll be honest, it took me by surprise. I walked in and a little lady saw me and she went, Frank, Frank, my son, you've come to see me. And I thought, oh my God, she thinks I'm Frank. At first I looked to see if there was somebody else, but it was, it was me. So I was going to tell her, now how do you tell somebody with Alzheimer's you're not Frank, you're not the son? So I was about to say, um, um, and I heard the Lord say, today, you're Frank. (laughs) (laughs) And then I thought, well, I, many times I've been preaching. I said, let me be frank with you. <laughs> so I thought, I, I'm, I'm not, this is real. I said, mom, I'm so happy to see you. <laughs> she ran up. She hugged me. She kissed me on the cheek. She snapped out of dementia, totally lucid. I prayed the whole prayer with her. She accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. And then when I said amen, she started muttering something and looked at me, but didn't even, and just walked off. And I will see that lady in heaven. I'm telling you, many, many stories that we have. Another one. Someone who goes into assisted living home. There's a lady lying curled up in a fetal position on a bed. And she's groaning. This is the noise she's making. So the, so the someone assists the nurse, can I talk to that lady? And, then, and the nurse said, no, I'm her nurse. She hasn't talked to anybody in two weeks. That woman has had no food and water. She'll be dead in an hour. The someone said, please, I've got to speak to her. 
This is urgent. The nurse got irritated. No, you can't. You know, I know. What are you talking about? Just, you know, get away. I mean, almost now, but the soul one is pushy. I have to talk to this lady. So finally the nurse says, okay, but you'll see. She won't say a word to you. Well, the soul one who walked in, we teach them, shake them and wake them because they're not sleeping because they're tired. They're dying. So she shook the lady, the little lady opened her eyes and looked straight in the eyes of the soul winner, and here's what she says, my soul is lost. So she knew she was dying, and the reason she was groaning for two weeks is there was nobody to tell her what was going to happen when she died. And the soul winner looked at her and said, your soul won't be lost anymore, pray this after me, dear Lord Jesus, led her to Jesus, and walked out, prayed with the next room, come right back, and the woman was gone. And when they told me that, I mean, I wept, but I thought about, I thought about the demons that were signed to that lady's life for 83 years, that they were supposed to show up with her soul back before Lucifer. And so they come with nothing. And, and he, uh, you know, my, my brain thinks in pictures. So it's like, I can just see the devil going, where is she? Uh, we, we had her. We had her in our clutches, but those people came from that Holy Ghost and fire meeting. And they were given the script. Not the script. Yes. And they snatched her from our claws. You idiots. I confine you to the executive branch of the United States government. The rest of you morons will go to the Senate. <laughs> I'm sorry, my brain thinks in pictures. <laughs> so that's what, we, that's what we're doing. We're mobilizing everybody to win souls. The only thing you can take with you when you leave the earth is people. That's why we're on the 300 city tour. That's why we're going to Africa now, seven countries. And we're going to London. So uh, there's an urgency. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God. And you have to feel the urgency for Nashville or your town or your village. I know everybody, Pastor Rodney, come here. Well, I'd love to. It's impossible. But what if you catch fire? then you'll do the work. Can you say amen? amen? Why don't you welcome back Vangelis Jonathan as he comes. How about a big hand clap for Pastor Rodney Howard Brown? How many of you appreciated him coming all the way out here against his will? Give Jesus an even greater hand clap for all he's done tonight. Great altar call. Praise God. How many of you were blessed tonight? Let's do, let's do something before uh, we call tonight. You can be seated again. We're going to do two things quickly. Number one, it has really come to my attention in the last year and a half. How many people need prayer for serious? Of course, we told the testimony of that lady's daughter that needed help for her eyes. And uh, if you go to any church and said, how many of you need prayer for a physical problem? 
It'd be easier to count the number of people that don't come up than the number of people that do. And so people need prayer, and sadly, they're not getting prayer many places they go for church. It's like scheduled out. The only prayer they get is, Lord, give us traveling mercies on our way home. But uh, since we're only here with you one night, I want to take care of that, and I want to show you something that I think will bolster your faith even more before we pray. You heard that great miracle of that lady's daughter that made my day. A couple weeks ago, I was in Los Angeles, and a lady and her uh, mother and father brought their brother that got dehydrated running at school and had it affected his central nervous system. He had never slept more than an hour, had a seizure every 10 minutes or so. And so for that entire time, the mother and father took one-hour shifts to watch over him while he slept. You know, you hear what people go through, you realize why Jesus didn't just go straight to the cross. He took stripes on his back that by his stripes you can be healed. There's people that are sick. There's people that their sickness affects their family. And Jesus did something about that. And so I didn't know any of that till after. But I felt to call up uh, them and pray for them. And then I ministered to their son. And the next day they came back smiling like, I haven't seen too many people smile and told a great testimony. I want you to see this, and I'm going to pray for everybody that would like prayer. Go ahead and roll it. Hi, I'm Mikey Gonzalez. This is my mom, Pastor Anita Gonzalez. And today we just want to come and share a testimony of what the Lord did with my youngest brother. Um, long story short, he had suffered from epilepsy. He accidentally fell down during a race. He was dehydrated, and he hurt his, his head. And ever since that day, that was in eighth grade. And from eighth grade to now, it's been about 10 years, he has slowly lost decline in in his nervous central system. He was not able to recollect memory. He was not able to understand speech. He would lose his balance. He had um, a lot of, of ner he couldn't control his movements in any way, shape, or form. And the worst part of all, all was that he could not sleep. And so about, I was telling um, the pastor Jonathan, it was that every 10 minutes or so, he would have a seizure or he would twitch. And so even what doctors say, REM sleep is good for you, he could not enjoy because every time at midnight, three in the morning, at six in the morning, he would have a major attack. And it was constantly an oppression of the devil upon his life because he couldn't get out for as much as we would try to teach him the word of God and Bible verses or pray with him. He, he, he just, he wasn't there. So he went from being a presidential honor roll student to like a second grade memory. And so today we came expecting and believing the Lord for a miracle in our younger brother, believing the Lord that he was going to do something in his life because for 10 years, my parents hadn't slept. We haven't slept. We've been standing in faith, believing the Lord, but the manifestation was longing. And so we're like, no, Lord, we're going to give our, a special offering to the Lord, believing for his miracle. We joined the 21 days of prayer and fasting. That was one of our prayer points. And when we heard Pastor Jonathan was coming here, we're like, no, we're going to believe the Lord that today the oppression ends. Amen. And so when Pastor Jonathan came to 
California, Los Angeles, California, it was literally an answer to prayer. He called each and every one of us out, but specifically the word of the knowledge that the Lord gave him for my younger brother was spot on. Oh, like, I told my parents, it hit the nail on the coffin. It was so accurate. Sure enough, he said that the Lord was going to restore his speech. The Lord was going to restore movement in his body. Everything that the enemy had stolen from him, this was the year of double. And so when he prayed for him, I was sharing with the brothers and sisters that he was, when Pastor Jonathan went to go lay hands on him, he's standing by himself. Unconsciously, he, he would like fall backwards. But that moment when Pastor was praying, he was standing by himself. He responded. Pastor Jonathan said, can I pray for you? And he himself said, yes. And so when the Lord touched him, I was amazed because we went home that night rejoicing and praising the Lord. And I want to share this video with you guys. He slept 30 seconds without a single seizure. And then the 30 seconds went to a minute and then two minutes and then five minutes. And the next thing you know, he's sleeping. And you can see this, this spirit of peace upon his life. He's able to sleep. And so we're really excited to see what the Lord's going to do with him, how the Lord is going to be able to restore story completely from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, body, his function, control, his memory, his his intellect, everything is coming back. Hallelujah. And so we just want to give all the praise and the glory and the honor to God, because if he could sleep through the night, what is the Lord going to do from now <laughs> until the rest of the time that the Lord comes? We're going to see that miracle. We're going to see the intelligence come back. We're just going to continue praising God because we know this is the beginning Amen. of a great miracle in progress. Isn't that awesome? Come on, give the Lord a great hand clap. I'm going to play another one for you. This was from about uh, January, maybe December, at, at the latest, just a few weeks back. They wheeled the lady into our, our uh, church, Revival Today Church in Pittsburgh, and she had had a stroke 10 months before with bleeding on the brain. So she wasn't paralyzed from a spinal cord injury, she was paralyzed uh, from the stroke. She couldn't walk, she couldn't move anything from the neck down, and she couldn't speak. And so she had her husband take her to church. I didn't know any of this. She was sitting in the back. And then at the end of the service, from hearing the word preached, she asked her husband to walk her to the front. So he, he put her feet on her feet and walked her backwards. She refused to sit in the chair. Had her him stand her up. And then had him walk her to the front. So when they asked me for prayer, the service was over. I was basically checked out mentally and already at lunch. It was like the service had been over about 10, 15 minutes. And they said, uh, my wife wants prayer to walk again. Told me the story about the strokes and all that. So I said, okay. I didn't know any of that, that she couldn't move. So when I went to pray, she was going to fall straight over. Not from prayer, like, you know, from being... She had, and the only way I could describe it is if you ever went deep sea fishing and caught a huge fish, that's what it was like standing her up. She had no ability to hold herself up. So I, I held her up, and she was difficult to hold up, and I'm not that strong. So I asked Pastor Augustine and Pastor Abraham that's here with me to help me pray for her, and when they came, I said, help me hold her up, because I didn't want to drop her. It was difficult to hold her, so they helped me hold her. I finished praying. And actually, I said, have a seat, because I, I felt like she was going to fall over, and she went, I'm not sitting down. Well, she's already speaking, 
And then secondly, there's a tone a woman uses that you know negotiation is fruitless. I said, all right. So that's when I had Abraham and Augustine help me hold her up because she went, I, I wasn't trying to get her back in her wheelchair. I just didn't want her to fall over. So we finished praying. She, she still needed held up. And I said to Augustine and Abraham, keep praying for her. But then I whispered in their ears, don't let her fall. You know, there's cameras everywhere. She would have hurt herself badly. So I, that's what I was concerned about. I walked away. There was another group of people standing in line that wanted to talk. So I went to talk to them. The last, I think if I hadn't held her up and I just watched it happen, I wouldn't have had the reaction I did. But I'm talking to these people, and after about three minutes, I'm going to show the clip for you. She ran by, not walked by, ran full speed. You know, when you're, when you're a faith preacher and you pray for someone and they get healed, you're supposed to act like you've seen that before. I look like Kevin McAllister's father in Home Alone. I, I literally went like this. Like, like I was an Episcopal minister that just saw his first person healed. Because I'm telling you, I was just with her three minutes ago. She was immobile. And so, video ready or not ready? Ready? Watch. Um, I had seven strokes uh, back in March the 6th. And uh, that led to a lot of other things. Brain hemorrhaging, um, micro brain bleeds, stage 2 kidney disease. Uh, malignant hypertension, a tumor on my adrenal gland was causing everything. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't run, I couldn't walk, I couldn't speak. My speaking was slurred. I kept falling down, I was confused. And um, we followed Jonathan Shuttleworth and this morning he had said something about uh, 10 months and it's over and it's been 10 months for me. I said, that's mine. And he said, healing, healing be all over you. And I said, that's mine. And I stood up. And I was unable to walk when I first came in, and I was running after Jonathan Shuttleworth grabbed my hand and prayed for me and said, it's over, it's over, it's broken off of you. And I felt the miraculous power of God and Jesus inside of me and just like it burst. And it felt like it just broke all the chains that were on me. And I feel like my adrenal kidney tumor, the doctors are going to say, what happened? It's not there. When I go for my MRI, they're going to say, your brain is not bleeding anymore. And I believe that it's healed in Jesus' name. There's no more. It's dried up. The blood is dried up like the woman with the issue 12 years. All glory to God. Thank you again for Jonathan Shuttleworth coming into this community and shining the light of God and breaking the power of evil and darkness. Amen. Osborne said that I understand as of about four months ago. He said, one miracle will do more for you than a thousand sermons on miracles. And what I mean is, because it's the, everybody say the same spirit. The same spirit that's the root of the gift of faith is the root of miracles. So notice, without any kind of lesson about how to speak or the power of your words, in receiving that touch for her body, what else did she say? I know my adrenal tumor is going to be gone. I know the bleeding on the brain is stopped. And I can't wait to tell everybody about what God has done. So it's not just God healing your body. It's one thing to know about God. It's another thing to have had an encounter with God. And then the one that you're talking about carries a different weight. I want everybody who desires healing for your body to stand to your feet. And I'm going to pray for you from the platform right now. Take your... Left hand and lift it to the Lord. Take your right hand and put it wherever the afflicted part of your body is. If you have like nine things that are wrong, just put it on top of your head and that's your sign to God that you need a pet boy's overhaul. 
I'm going to pray for you from right here. Bible says in Acts chapter 14 that Paul was preaching. Acts 14, beginning at verse 8. And while he was preaching, he noticed the man and realized he had faith to be healed. And called to him in a loud voice, stand up. And immediately, everybody say immediately. The man got up and began walking. So some people, especially in America, the only way they know how to receive is to come up and tell me after, hey, I know, can I have prayer? And you feel like telling them, that, listen, I'm not saving my best prayers for after church. I'm going to pray for you right now. If you can't receive from 40 feet, you can't receive from two feet. How many have faith to receive from where you're standing right now? Now, I'm having you put your hand on the afflicted part of your body as a point of contact. I'm going to believe God that as we pray right now, the nail-scarred hand of Jesus is going to pass underneath your hand and do what happened for that family and for that woman that came in paralyzed and ran out of church that day. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, that before he went to the cross, he took stripes on his back. Those stripes were not for our sin. Those stripes were for all our sickness and all our disease. Thank you for your word that declares he took, not will take, he took all my sickness and removed all my disease. We receive that now. We take you at your word now. Every rupture in the abdomen, every rupture in the muscle wall, every shoulder problem, everything in the central nervous system, stroke, every difficulty that a child was born with, in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus, I lose that wonderful power from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Be made whole now. Right now, in Jesus' mighty name, damaged hearts, organs that have begun to shut down prematurely, I command you to be healed in Jesus' name. Now, I want you to lift both hands and just begin to thank God out of your mouth. Let's take 60 seconds and begin to thank him that that flow is going over you right now. In Jesus' mighty name, brand new lungs, brand new kidneys. Brand new pancreas, brand new heart, new cartilage and knees, removal of pain from the feet, eyes that see, ears that hear. With your hands lifted, begin to thank him. Just say like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for healing me now. I receive that healing now. Come on, thank him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That your name would be glorified. Thank you that you're a miracle-working God. Thank you that you're an awesome God. Thank you for your glory. Thank you for your power that drives out all sickness and removes all disease. I thank you for a sickness-free, disease-free, cancer-free room in Jesus' name. We receive it and call it done. And if you receive it, let your amen be the loudest. Come on, one more time. Give Jesus the greatest hand clap that you've ever given anybody. Somebody shout a good Tennessee hallelujah.
Praise God. You can be seated. We're going to do what Pastor Rodney said we're going to do. We're going to receive an offering tonight. I want to give you one scripture. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 8. The Bible says in the New Living Translation, remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good that we do, whether we are slaves or free. In the King James Bible, it says it like this, knowing this, whatsoever good any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Knowing this, whatsoever good any man does, the same will he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. You could sum that up simply, if I was going to translate it, I'd put it like this. What you make happen for others, God makes happen for you. Because Jesus didn't just teach that your gift will come back to you. He taught it would come back pressed down, shaken together, and running over to make room for more. I want to tell you one thing that happened in Las Vegas where we just preached, uh, when was it? I think Thursday night was when I got the testimony. I did a West Coast tour at the end of fasting and prayer in January. Phoenix, Reno, San Diego, and two days in Los Angeles. The first meeting in Phoenix, there was a young man that was waiting in line, and he was crying, and he didn't look like a crier. He had a mullet. He had on an, uh, what's that real nice hunting shirt? Sitka. He had on a Sitka hunting shirt and a mullet and a camouflage hat and was crying. He didn't look like he normally cried. And he had a rifle with him in a case. He said, you're going to think I'm crazy, but the Lord spoke to me to give a rifle, my, right, my favorite rifle, to your wife. My wife wasn't with me, so he gave it to me in place. And the interesting thing, I don't know why I'm taking the offering this way, but since I'm this far, I might as well just finish the story. My wife hunts, and she wanted to go on an elk hunt. She, I, have, I have one scheduled. I actually just started scheduling one for that afternoon. And you know what she told me? She said, the next gun I want for that elk hunt is a 308. Well, that guy, that night, it's not to tell the crowd. You know, I, I, don't, I don't throw out holy hints like people do on Facebook. I'm moving. Does anyone know where you can get a moving truck? Yes, at the moving truck store. I never mentioned that what my wife wanted or anything. I don't, I don't do that. So that night, that guy has a, not just a rifle. He said, the Lord spoke to me to give you my favorite rifle. It was a 308 with a Swarovski scope, which my wife tells me, which I realize I should be the one telling her, but she told me that's the best scope. It was actually the next scope that she wanted. So I said, I receive it. And I told him what I told you after he gave it. I said, you know, my wife was actually believe, wanted this exact gun. So it was the Lord that spoke to him. I said, let me pray with you. And I said, Father, I thank you for a hundredfold return. The Bible says your gift comes back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I go to Las Vegas, which is four and a half hours from Phoenix. And when I went there, he was there with his mother. And he, was smi he wasn't crying now. He was smiling. This is three weeks later. He came back up and said again, you're going to think I'm crazy. But in the three weeks since you've been gone, I've had two rifles given to me that are better than the one that I gave. And I pointed him in the direct. My wife was with me in Las Vegas. I said, go. she wanted to meet him anyway. I said, go meet my wife and, and uh, tell her what happened. Now, I bring that up because people miss a lot on offerings. Number one, they just, I mean, the entirety of the teaching I ever received on offerings growing up in church is the brethren are coming to receive the offering. God bless you as you give. Nobody ever told that part, that what you make happen for others, 
God makes happen for you. I gave that million dollars to Pastor Rodney. Six weeks later, a lady flew up from another state on a Thursday afternoon and dropped off a check for a million dollars. And I know they say money doesn't make you happy, but I did get a little happy. You know, when people say money doesn't make you happy, that's true. But money can be used to buy barbecue, and barbecue makes you happy. Amen. Also, ice cream. There's many things I could tell you that you can do with money that will turn at least one corner of your mouth up. So when that guy did that, yeah. He got a harvest of two rifles in three weeks. I'm sure they'll keep coming. But you know what else I noticed that was interesting? He had people with him in the meeting. And a young man drove four and a half hours to church and brought people. See, the offering is an opportunity for man to come into financial covenant with God and work with God with their faith. See, Christianity was real to him then. Not that it wasn't when he gave the rifle. But it's real enough that now he's bringing an entourage within the church five hours away in another state. That's the power of giving and offerings. It, it puts you in a different class where you start seeing God open the windows of heaven. And because money affects so much of life, some of you are up at 5.30 in the morning, 5.15 to work, to exchange the best of your talent and time to receive a paycheck, to provide for your family and all the other things you're dreaming of. Money affects life. So when you participate in the offering with God and start seeing God's hand get involved, it starts changing every area of your life. Now, some guy popped off at the mouth in the beginning of the service about it. On YouTube, there was a guy yelling about it. You know, anytime that's happened, the offering has always been huge that night. It's almost like the devil knew what was going to come in and sent somebody that ran out of benzodiazepine to disrupt the service. Well, how do you guys know about psychiatric drugs? That's interesting. So I'm actually encouraged. Obviously, obviously everybody is not interested in giving, as one guy pointed out earlier in the service. But some people come to meetings like this just to give because they know what it does. And so I'm not trying to convince, I spend very little, if any time, of any offerings anymore trying to get non-givers to give. It's up to people whether to do it or not. But what I want to do, like when that guy gave that rifle to my wife, I didn't say, well, thank you for doing that. That means a lot. I said, let me pray for you, that God gives you back a hundredfold what you gave. Why did God speak to that man about that rifle? Was it so my wife could have a rifle and him not have one? It's more blessed to give than to receive. And so when God speaks to you about a seed, and especially a precious seed, see when that guy was crying, anytime you see somebody bring something up and they're crying, it's precious. That rifle meant something to him. And everybody has something like that. So when you give that, what's precious to God, your most precious thing, then God releases something more precious to you. And that's how it works. And we're going to give you the opportunity to do that tonight. The ushers are going to give you an offering envelope if you don't already have one in your seat. And those of you that are watching online, they're going to put instructions on the screen. I want you, no, I doubt there's anybody here that's going to give that the Lord hasn't already spoken to at some point in the service. Or you might have even been talking with your wife in the car. I find it interesting, that guy at 23 years old, it's not like he decided to give the rifle when I was preaching in Phoenix. He brought it. So he actually took time to ask the Lord what, what, he, what he should do before he came. And I believe there's people like that tonight. Pastor Rodney, I mean, most of you know our ministry and his ministry. This money's not going to be used to help us grow grass under our feet. I think I've preached 71 or 72 times in 2024 already. 
And he, he may have done more than that. You're going to reach a lot of people, but it's going to come back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over to make room for more. If you're watching online, revivaltoday.com, click give now. Thank you for coming to the meeting tonight. We're so glad you're here. So many great people that are here that we love so much. God bless you. Love you. Everybody here that I know, we love you. Everybody here that I don't know, looking forward to loving you in the future. You're welcome at, you're welcome at my church anytime, Revival Today Church in Pittsburgh. And then if you're watching in Texas, Revival Today Church, Fort Worth, 9 a.m., Revival Today Church, Pittsburgh, 10 a.m., every Sunday. The first time it closes will be for the rapture of the church. If there's a snowstorm that closes the roads, I'll drive there the night before and we'll have church. How many can see that God's moving in our country? When you see the United Nations uproot from New York and move to Europe, that'll be the sign that that unclean spirit's been completely driven out of America, and that's when the revival will hit full force. Can you say amen? If you're making out a check, make it out to revival.com. Revi or sorry, make it out to Revival Ministries International. You can give on revival.com. That's Pastor Rodney's ministry. And we're going to, you'll be blessing two ministries. If you don't care much for me, all of your offering will go to Pastor Rodney. <laughs> we'll make sure of it. Thank you for your giving. There's all the ways to give, revival.com. Great job. Who's here with the security team that worked tonight? You know the security team, without being asked, volunteered their services, their professional security team? Give a hand clap to our friends. I appreciate you. And the Lord gave you guys a reward because you look like the type that we're looking forward to throwing somebody out. <laughs> Amen. I saw you all smile when that guy stood up and go like this. How many of you were blessed tonight? Well, hold your seat up before the Lord. If you're given by phone, you can hold your phone up. If you're watching at home, Hold your entire desktop computer up before the Lord. <laughs> Let's join our faith together. Father, I thank you for a hundredfold return on every seed that's sown. I pray that this seed would take people into a different year this year. That 2024 wouldn't be a backwards year. It wouldn't be a repeat of 2023. That this would be the greatest year that they've ever had in their ministry, in their business, personally. In Jesus' name, I thank you for it and I give you praise. All God's people said. Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit RevivalToday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.